Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Food for Thought, where we talk about anything and everything as it pertains to health, wellness, and being your best self. I'm Carissa McKay, one of the health promotion specialists in Edmonton, and today we're going to talk about a fun topic, self-care. Today, I'm joined by one of my amazing co-health promotion specialists, Nicole Emerson. Welcome back, Nicole. Thanks, Chris. I'm happy to be here and excited to talk about this topic. I think that more often than not, we push our own personal self-care down our list of priorities. And we're here today to talk about why that is and how we can stop doing that. So let's look at the what. First, by defining what self-care is, what gets in the way, and what we can change to ensure that we are taking those opportunities to look after our own needs. Absolutely. I think I totally agree with you, especially the part about people not prioritizing it. So I think part of that problem is because people define self-care differently, or maybe they have a certain image of what it looks like. And I think that often feeds into that whole self-care is selfish myth. So maybe we should start by clearing that up. So self-care is actually any activity that we deliberately do in order to take care of our mental, emotional, and physical health. Simply put, it's just taking care of yourself. And sometimes that might mean having a cup of tea while wearing a face mask or having cucumber slices on your eyes. But it also includes things like just creating boundaries with respect to your relationships, your work tasks, or if you've got a neighbor who is constantly asking you to take care of their kids to things like getting your heart rate up, maybe doing something that you enjoy, whether that's hiking or dancing, or even honestly, self-care can be remembering to pay your bills every month. Because at its heart, it's about remembering to prioritize the basics, sleep, physical activity, and eating well. According to the World Health Organization, self-care is the ability of individuals and communities to promote, maintain health, and prevent disease. That's a pretty broad concept, and it encompasses things like hygiene, nutrition, lifestyle, environmental, and socioeconomic factors, and self-medication. So it pretty much runs the gamut of things that people do to themselves on a daily basis. So while I'm all for a day at the spa or time spent soaking in a tub, that might be exactly what you need. It is at its core much, much more than that. Awesome. Thank you for that definition. And to add to that, I think it's really good to also clarify what self-care is not. And it's not something that we force ourselves to do or something that we don't enjoy doing. It kind of goes against the whole purpose of it. And as Angs Weinman explained, self-care is something that refuels us rather than takes from us. So think about what it is that you think that you need. What would help you feel better? Can you trade off childcare with a friend on alternate weekends so that while the kids have a play date, you have some time for yourself? If you think that that morning run is something you should be doing, Would a walk and some time for quiet reflection or an extra 15 minutes of sleep be more restorative? Only you know whether what you are doing is making you feel better. Self-care can mean different things to different people. And although we know that self-care can benefit both psychological and physical health, prioritizing self-care when we are stressed and have competing responsibilities and commitments can seem daunting. It's also easier to let ourselves down and harder to let others who may depend on us down. Yet ironically, we are letting them down if we are not taking care of ourselves. So another factor is having enough time in the day or rather not enough time leaves a lot of people feeling overwhelmed and stressed out. So how is fitting in more going to help relieve that? I think that it isn't necessarily about fitting in more per se, but about thinking that if I don't make time to do these things for me now to give me my sparkle back, as I heard someone once refer to the need for self-care, it's going to end up costing me 
and ultimately others more in the end. So I think it's about thinking of ourselves as though we were a car. If we take the time to do the routine maintenance, which can truly feel like a bit of a pain in the you-know-what at the time, it is still going to likely cost you less and be far less inconvenient than having some huge breakdown sometime down the line, which could have totally been avoided. But it also means that sometimes we simply have to prioritize. If we know that we would really benefit from that extra sleep, maybe waiting to fold the laundry can wait till tomorrow. We all only have so many hours in the day. And at the end of the day, you reap what you sow. So if you want a different outcome, you're going to have to acknowledge that you might need to start doing things a little bit differently. Love it. So true. And considering that when we've, you've had a bad day or a difficult conversation, or you're worried or upset, what do you do to comfort yourself in these situations? Does it include food, maybe a substance such as cigarettes or alcohol to make you feel better and just take that edge off? Or do you find yourself crashing in front of the TV in those times? And in the short term, these may work, but they don't in the long term. And continued use or continued behaviors like this can have negative health consequences. So think about comfort over consumption. And I think that's so key here. So with that, any tips on how to do this? What kinds of activities or coping strategies help to achieve this? I think that this is where our ability or inability to listen to our bodies really becomes important. You got to ask yourself, am I so angry that I just need to get it out of my system somehow? Have I been conditioned to stuff that emotion down with a pizza or a six pack or zoning out with Netflix or doom scrolling? What am I feeling and what do I need? In Appetite for Change, we talk about intuitive eating. Scarfing down a chocolate cake because you've just had a fight with somebody is not intuitive by any definition. So we need to ask ourselves, what am I feeling and what do I need? Do I need an outlet like going to the gym or for a run? Do I need something to soothe a wounded ego? Maybe that means talking to a friend instead of choosing that cake. Do I fear something or am I worried about something? And what do I do to make me feel less scared or less anxious? Numbing with substances or Netflix or Amazon online shopping isn't going to change anything. But naming what we're feeling can give us power over that feeling and help to provide some solutions to how we might feel better. I'm a talker. And I think honestly that there's very little that having a conversation with a trusted friend can't solve, at least insofar as getting it off your chest, out in the open. And probably while you're having that conversation, you're going to get some much needed perspective. And if you're not a talker or you don't actually have someone to provide that listening ear because of distance or moves or postings or whatever the case may be, journaling is actually a really effective outlet. It gets all that noise out of your head. And sometimes that's all you need to just get it out. It's like a big brain dump. So that outlet is what's really critical. And I also think, and we say this a lot, is we all need to have a therapist on speed dial because that professional sounding board can be really valuable and more people should try to find someone that they can have that kind of ongoing professional relationship with, because sometimes we just can't do it on our own. Sometimes we need to have someone to sort of, you know, call us out on our crap and do that in a professional therapeutic way that maybe (laughs) a friend can't necessarily do. Oh, so true. (laughs) And just to add to that, setting boundaries. And I think that's something that is so important here as well. And learning to say no and being okay with that as a big part of this. And one of the most valuable lessons to protect your time and finding a balance between helping and being there for others without depleting your time and energy. For me, I try sometimes unsuccessfully um, with working from home more to not look at work or check work emails on a day off. 
respecting that boundary. And it's boundaries like this that make it easier for me to fulfill my yes commitments to myself, to my family on those days that I have dedicated for that. Now, do you think there's enough being done to promote self-care within the workplace? We talk about it in all of our workshops and health promotion, but do we really do it justice? What kind of a role do you think leadership has in promoting this? Well, interestingly, I just listened to a podcast that suggested that what we really need to focus more on is less about creating an engaging workplace and helping people to be well, that positive psychology, if you will, and more about addressing the causes of misery. And that doesn't mean that our our goal is very low and all that we want is to minimize misery. It's not. It's just if we do that, if we shift our focus, people are going to be less stressed less anxious, less angry or resentful. And that self-care piece is going to become less important because my work isn't contributing to me needing to find ways to deal with it in the first place. So it's kind of, again, addressing that chicken or the egg kind of a thing. However, given that we know that it's likely a long and arduous uphill battle, I think that leadership absolutely does have a role in this. And that in addition to the role modeling that we talk about all the time in terms of how they themselves are making sure to prioritize self-care, whether that's making time to work out at lunch or booking themselves that mental health appointment, they also need to look at what is going on in their places of work. What kind of environment is it? Do people seem happy to be there? Are they doing meaningful activities? Do they have control over what is going to happen from day to day? If the answer is that it seems like people are despondent, just marking time, they're listless, disengaged, it probably means that something has to change. And one of the other things we talk about a lot is the importance of communication as likely the single most important and yet simplest thing that can change the dynamic of a workplace. Saying you have an open door policy isn't the same as actually being open to hearing what people's concerns or experiences are. Ask your people, what is going well? What's sucking? And what do they think they could do to help to change that? Take responsibility for the well-being of your staff and don't assume that policy, HR or otherwise, is going to take care of things because policy doesn't change environments. Leadership does. So treat the people that work for you like they matter and that you care. And that will go a long way to creating a workplace that will help people actually be well and allow for whatever other self-care things that they need to do to be able to be prioritized because they're not expending all their energy just dealing with the day-to-day stressors of of going into a sucky, crappy environment. Great points. And I think that that role modeling, these behaviors really reinforces its importance and gets more buy-in when leaders aren't just talking the talk, but walking the walk, right? And and that's where that buy-in is going to come into play. Now, with everything we've talked about thus far, I'll ask the listeners to take a moment to think about self-care and how they perceive it to mean to them at this moment. How well do you think you are doing? Are you putting your own needs first or are they at the bottom of the pile? What can you do differently or change to help you be able to prioritize yourself? These are very personal questions and everyone will respond differently depending on what's going on for them and what's important to them in that moment. So as you think about that, We also need to consider what all we have going on in our lives to be able to prioritize self-care and make it happen. I heard a really great analogy given by a CEO at a pre-deployment briefing back in the Afghanistan days, and it has always really stuck with me. He talked about all the priorities an individual has from family, career, health, financial security, happiness, etc., 
and described it as a juggling act. Some balls are resilient and can be dropped and they'll bounce back like maybe a career course, while others are more fragile, like those delicate Christmas tree ornaments and if dropped can be damaged and when dropped too many times, the damage may be beyond repair. So like family and health and things like that. If you feel like you have too many balls in the air, sometimes the only thing to do is to decide which ones can be set down, which ones are maybe self-induced and just need to be dropped altogether and never picked up again, and which need extra attention to ensure they are not dropped. But what if there's no way to reduce the number of balls in the air? Do you have any tips for how someone could manage that? I honestly think that the only thing to do in that situation would be to ask for help. And I think that help is actually on on two levels. One of those levels is maybe you just need someone to point out to you that some of those balls actually are able to be put down. You might have been putting some kind of enormous importance on them when really when someone else takes a look at them and says, you know what, this is not your ball. This is totally something else that somebody could do. Either it's so unimportant as to just literally put it down and forget about it. Or it's something that somebody else actually has the capacity to deal with. You don't have to take all of that on for yourself. So sometimes you just, again, need that sober second opinion to say, you know what? Yes, you're managing a lot. You've got a lot literally of of balls in the air, but all of those are not your responsibility. So sometimes somebody just needs to point that out to you and then you can give those balls away. The other part of asking for help is literally just asking for help saying, listen, I've got all of this stuff going on. These are really important. The balls need to stay in the air, but can I pass them to someone else? Like when you're watching a circus act and you know they've got the pins or the balls and then somebody else appears and they toss them over and now they're sharing the load. They're sharing the weight and the responsibility of that. And whether that's your partner or your spouse or a coworker, there are likely people that are going to be able to take some of that off of your plate and help you to still be as effective, as efficient, as functional probably more so because now you'll be able to focus on some of those other things, those other balls that are probably, you know, they're the ones that are barely caught at the end and they're almost hitting the ground, but just not quite right. So you're shortchanging yourself. So I think that asking for help is going to be really, really important. Absolutely. And there's definitely a theme here that we keep coming back to, and that's establishing good social support and having that is really crucial to our well-being. And I really like this activity where you think and write down three names and maybe it's more and that would be awesome, but three names of people or organizations that you can turn to for support that no matter what, you know, that they have your back and having a good support system involving positive relationships is as crucial as accepting help from those who care about you and your well-being. We're a social species and we're wired that way. We need this social support. And when we lose that, that social fitness, it becomes much more difficult just to manage adversity and change and and the day-to-day. We unravel much more quickly. And and if you picture that mental health continuum model from green to red, that unraveling tends to happen much more quickly when social support is missing. So with all this in mind, any final thoughts here? So many. There's so many things. I think that we have to remember that. First of all, we all have a breaking point and we don't know what that is. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know what it is that's going to cause us to get to that place. And that's something that we just have to accept whether we want to accept it or not. The other thing is that we don't know what is going on for everybody else. We don't know anybody else's stories and they don't know yours. So you have to remember that if you want help, you're going to have to ask for it because people aren't mind readers. 
And similarly, if you see someone who you've noticed that they have been acting not like themselves lately, maybe ask them, you know, is there something that you can do to to lighten their load, to take those proverbial balls away from them, to give them a minute, even just to breathe. So if we could do that for one another, and it doesn't have to be just your closest friends, this is stuff that can happen in a workplace where you see something on a regular basis and you know what is, you know, quote unquote normal, and you see those shifts and you just put yourself out there and you just show a little bit of compassion because we're much better at showing compassion to others than we are to ourselves. That's a topic for a whole nother podcast. But if we show that compassion to others, that is going to shift what is going on in that space. That's going to change the environment. And with that change, it's going to make it so that other people recognize that it's okay. It's okay to offer help. It's okay to ask for help. And pretty soon everybody starts doing better. And when everybody starts doing better, you know, that need for self-care becomes less because again, like we said before, if you change the organization or you change the environment in which you work, then you don't have to find ways to continue to try to tread water because all of a sudden you can touch the bottom again. So I think that's an important thing. And if we go back to that car example, you know, remember that we are all Ferraris or Jaguars and we need to remember to treat ourselves that way. We deserve rest and recognition and comfort so that we can perform at those optimal levels, not just at our jobs, but as you mentioned, for our families and our friends, because those are going to be the places and the people with whom we make those lasting memories. We're not going to look back and say, oh yeah, I remember that really great project I worked on. You know, we're not, we're going to remember that great trip we took or that picnic we had just spur the moment or whatever. So I think that, you know, give yourself and others cut them a little bit of slack, I think. Awesome. Love it. And a few takeaways for me, just to add on to that is remembering that we can't pour from an empty cup, right? Remember to take care of, as you're saying, of your own needs before anyone else's. And it's not selfish. It's a necessity. We all benefit from it. So really keeping that in mind, remembering to just prioritize the basic, staying hydrated, eating well, getting enough sleep, moving your body, and really listening to your own body and what it needs in that moment. Not what social media is telling you to do or society, but what do you need in that time? And lastly, but certainly not least, you cannot expect to do it all alone. You need to find that someone or ideally plural someone's who will help you to get that time you need to take care of you. Absolutely. I think that those are such great reminders for all of us. And I think that we constantly need to remind ourselves of that because I think that we just forget and we get caught up in the busyness of of the day, of deadlines, of stuff that's happening, of planning, of, you know, so we just need to be, again, we need to be kinder to ourselves and to one another. And I think that in the end, that'll make everybody happier. And, you know, isn't that what we all want? Like, I think we all need a little bit of happiness, especially with everything that's going on right now. This has been so much fun, Nicole. I really like not being in the driver's seat as much today. It was such a good conversation and a really good reminder for me too, because I think that uh, we all need to have someone who just takes over once in a while, steps into that driver's seat and takes it in a different direction and does something different. So feel free to take over any day because this was awesome. (laughs) Thank you to everybody so much for listening. And remember, take care of yourselves. You are all luxury automobiles. And please join us again for another episode of Food for Thought in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, take care, stay healthy, and we'll see you on the flip-flop.